visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupong. Be blessed as you listen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this gathering because it's unto no other name than unto the name of Jesus. For your word says, wherever two or three are gathered in your name, you are there in their midst. Holy Spirit, take absolute control. As I'm about to speak your word, may I not speak of my own accord. And may I speak as you grant me utterance. By virtue of the fact that I'm a blood-born citizen of the kingdom of God, I take authority in the realm of the spirit. And I declare a supernatural injunction on any activity of the enemy in this place. We declare this place in the hearts and the minds of the people of God, sanctified and made ready for them to have an encounter with their Father this morning. To glory Father, to glory Son, to glory Holy Spirit. In Jesus' most excellent name have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. Shall we put our hands together for the Lord? Like we are young, energetic people. People filled with the Holy Ghost. People who are believers and people who don't have sauce in their hands. Hallelujah. You may take your seats. How many of you are excited to be in church this morning? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see you in church this morning. Amen. Yeah. I'm particularly excited to see one person. Uh, he's, he's, he's been away for a while. He's been working in whole let's appreciate uh, dr kinsley will it's been a long 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 time yeah it's been a while the the house job decided to take him away from us took him to the volta region so yeah he's there working now so you're welcome god bless you for coming today how many of you are ready for the word how many of you are ready for the word yes um for two sundays now i've been teaching or preaching on the subject of the devices of the enemy. <clears throat> the devices of the enemy. Uh, who remembers the, two, the first two devices I dealt with two weeks ago? Anybody? Camouflage and then distraction. D-I-S-T-R-A-C-T-I-O-N. As in Satan distracting your attention. So camouflage. That is disguising like an angel. Meanwhile, it's a devil, right? camouflage, distraction. And then last week, who remembers the two I dealt with? Pardon? Human beings, human beings, human beings are devices in the hands of the enemy. And then what was the second one? Pardon? Fear and anxiety. Fear and anxiety. So we've dealt with four, or let's say five. I put the fear and anxiety together, but it's five. Today, I'm going to deal with, I'll say two and a half. Two and a half. I'll start with the half. The half, it's something I've mentioned before in another series sometime before. But, I mean, I look at the church and I realize that a lot of people were not there, were not here when that particular series was done. So, I'll just give a little overview of that. And then I'll move to the two main ones <clears throat> I'm going to deal with today. Alright? So, the two and a half. The half, the half is false religions and teachings false religions and teachings. It's, it's one of the strongest tools Satan uses, all right? It's one of the strongest devices of the enemy right now. False religions and false teachings. And then the second one I'll deal with is accusation. Everybody say accusation. 
say accusation and the third one is discouragement say discouragement so today i'm dealing with false religion false teachings accusation and then discouragement all right so let me do the half which is the false religions and false teachings false teachings i mean you will agree with me that knowledge of the word of god has increased how many of you agree knowledge of the word of god has increased revelation has increased no two ways about that we are getting greater insight and greater depth into the word of god and the advent of technology <clears throat> has made studying the word easier than it has ever been we have concordances we have um, what do you call it bibles that will give you the original greek and the hebrew and everything when i was dealing with the series on spiritual growth with the the the, the subtopic on the word of god i took you through how the word of god was developed how god or, or christians in those days went through a lot to preserve the word of god for it to be what it is today i proved to you from scripture that there's no mistake in the word of god if you think there is inconsistency or you think there is an omission it's probably because you haven't gotten the revelation or a proper understanding or you probably haven't gone into the original languages the old testament was written in hebrew and some parts in aramaic and the new testament was largely written in greek so sometimes there are translation issues you may think the bible is contradicting itself but when you go to the original text you realize that it's because of the lack of words for those translations that it comes out in a certain way i gave you an example during those times of how let's say there's a part of the bible that says in genesis we are told that and god tested abraham and then in james we are told that god does not tempt any man god does not tempt man james tells us god does not tempt man so if you are going to translate the bible into chi for example in chi test is in sorcery tempt is in sorcery so if you are translating the genesis will read nyankopon so abraham share i'm from jamestown so my tree can be some way small nyankopon so abraham share and then you go to james and then he says nyankopon so nipan share so you look at the raw translation and you say ah the bible is trans- is, is contradicting itself one point is saying god uh, saw somebody share and then the next time we're saying God doesn't saw anybody share. It's contradicting. But in interpreting for chi, tempt and test are the same word. Your, interpre- your interpreting the Bible doesn't give you the right to invent a new word. You understand? To separate the two. So that is how it's going to be put. And that is why there are certain things in the Bible that we think are contradictions. That the Bible said this in one place. You need to go to the original Greek or the original Hebrew to look for the root word that was used and you understand the context in which the person was speaking hallelujah so with with technology and and advancement in knowledge has also come advancement in the word of god but as much as we understand the word of god better the tricks have also become more hallelujah and we are in an era of doctrines it's like We consider the best preachers to be the people who say the things that nobody has said before. 
It's like you, you have to believe some, <laughs> some very new thing. I'm not saying when you hear something new, it means it's wrong. No, that is not what I'm saying. That is not what I'm saying at all. But all I'm trying to point to you is that we are in an era where there are, there's a lot of twisting of the word of God to suit people's doctrines. The word doctrine means teaching. All right? Teaching or an instruction. That's what, that's what the, the, the word doctrine means. And Satan has infiltrated the church with certain doctrines, with certain teachings that do not go with the word of God or the spirit of the word of God. Hallelujah. And as believers, we need to have our antennas up. You don't take anything you hear, even if it's from a trusted source. <laughs> Amen. That is why Paul said he likes the spirit of the the Berean church in Acts chapter 17 verse 11. He said they, they were more noble. They were more excellent than the others. Why? Because whenever they are taught the word, they will go back to check whether that which they have been taught is true. Paul didn't consider it as disloyalty or disrespect for the anointing. For him, Paul, an apostle of revelation, to come and teach you and you will go back and go and check whether the apostle was saying the right thing. Now we'll, we'll take it as Charlie. You don't respect the unction upon my life. You were, where, when we were, we where were you? When we were seeing visions and having encounters with God, where were you? And we are coming to teach you, and you say you are going to check. But Apostle Paul was humble enough to tell the people that he respects that attitude of theirs. Hallelujah. For them to go and check. Because you see, at the end of the day, when you stand before God in judgment, your pastor will not be standing behind you. Your pastor is not going to be your lawyer. When you stand before God and you are giving an account of your life and what you have used this time for, it is going to be you and God alone. Hallelujah. And we'll be giving the chance to see him, but we'll be audience. You understand? No participation. We'll just be there watching. And we'll say, ah, when they say, when the Bible says, and, and the secret intents of the heart of men will be revealed. Say, oh, hey. So... <laughs> That day will be very interesting. Hallelujah. Yeah. So you have to go and check for yourself. Sometimes you can get into the trap of accepting something just because it's coming from a trusted source. One day I'll preach about the spirit of Ahitophel. A trusted, the fact that it is coming from a trusted source doesn't necessarily make it right. And when I talk about a source, I'm talking about a human source. Because I know great teachers who have taught certain things in the past. And later, when they were more mature in the word and closer to God in spirit, they realized that no, the spirit of what they are teaching is wrong. And, they, and some of them have come to come and reverse. I always use Benihin as an, as an example. One of the reasons why Benihin has lasted this long in ministry is that Benihin has the, the heart of a child. When he makes a mistake, he will accept it. Some people will make mistakes and try and defend the mistake into their grave. Benihin will come and say, look, when I was a child, even Paul, he said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. Now that I'm grown, childish and foolish things have left behind. Simple. You move on. Hallelujah. Was it this morning or yesterday? I was showing Mamifai a certain video. The, 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 the founder of, of Deeper Life, um, um, Reverend Kumui, he was making a statement. He was like, look, there are principles he has established in the church and some of them he realizes are no longer relevant 
and that he is not going to go into his grave with those things. The ones that have to be changed, he will change them before he dies. This is somebody who is positive. Hallelujah. When you are deviated, you have to accept that you have deviated. But for some people, the spirit of pride doesn't give them the right. They are too proud to say that, oh, this thing that I thought was wrong. I'm telling you this so that you know that when you receive a word, you must check it with scripture to be sure that that which is being said is true. Those days when I was teaching you these things, I, I told you about certain categories of, 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 of ministers that you need to be careful about. I talked about the charlatan. I talked about the, the, the um, what do you call it? Do you remember? I should do an eye right now. I talked about the charlatan. What else did I talk about? The tickler. Yes. And then what? What else? Pardon? The heretic. The one who just preaches things that are off. It's like not biblical. Teaching all sorts of things like you can marry two and you know those kind of things. That's a heretic. The tickler is the one who is obsessed with exciting the crowd. So every day they must say something that must make the crowd excited. But you see, in preaching, there are times that you must speak to break the crowd a bit. It's not every day that you must be on your feet. Hey, speak to me, speak to me. There are times when the word hits you and you must be quiet and digest the thing. When you are walking home, cry, your legs are shaking. You know that, yes, some word has hit you. Hallelujah. But some people are just obsessed with tickling the, the crowd. They know what the crowd likes. They know what will excite them. So they will press those buttons all the time. So that is the tickler, yes? So charlatan, tickler, the, the heretic, uh-huh, what else? I gave you about six. Hey! They'll bring pieces of paper, I'll do I and publish the results right now. Yes, what else? Oh, where is Kofi? Kofi would have redeemed me right now. Yes, heretic, tickler. I talked about the divider. The divider, the one who just comes and causes, always putting fear. Uh, you, your, your mother, I can see your mother standing behind you with her hands like this. Then suddenly there's enmity. You see your mother and you, you start praying all sorts of prayers against your mother. The divider. So there are different kinds of preachers and we need to know how to discern these people. And then there's the abuser. The one who exploits people. If you want your problem to be over, I must sleep with you first. Laying hands on places you, you are not permitted to lay hands on. The abuser. So all these people are there. And that is why we must be careful what we are receiving. Every believer must put a sieve to their heart. Hallelujah. Put a sieve to your heart. There must be a semi-permeable membrane. Selectively permeable. Certain things must come through. Others you just reject. When somebody preaches something you don't agree with, it doesn't mean the person is a false prophet. Hallelujah. It doesn't mean the first. Some people are in the habit. If you say something, one, that they don't agree with, they, they believe in grace. You say something that seems to support the law, or they brand you. This is a law preacher. After all, they go, don't label me anything. I don't preach grace. I don't preach law. I preach Christ. Finish. Don't put me in any category. Now we are fond of putting people in boxes. Hey, it's a grace preacher. And this one, they're, hey, law. When they come, hey, if you don't repent, you will die. Hard, hard don't put me in any of those categories. Me, I preach Christ. Hallelujah. Grace is important. The law, yes, Jesus said, he, said well, he came to fulfill the law. The fact that it has been abolished doesn't mean fornication is right. 
Jesus came and raised the standard. Those days, adultery was when you go to a, a room with a man and you go to sleep. But Jesus came and raised the standard. He said, when you look at a woman and you lust after her, you have already committed sin. That is a more serious version. Hallelujah. Those days, murder was when you take a knife and pass it through somebody's heart. Oh, like that. You've killed. Jesus Christ came and said, when you hate your brother, you are a murderer. If Jesus should come and look at our hearts right now, murderers all over because that roommate of yours, you will hate the roommate the way she snores, the way she doesn't clean the room, the way she comes to the room with uh, what you call mud under her feet and she comes to make, and the way she sleeps on your bed with her shoes. You hate your roommate. And Jesus said, You are a murderer, you are killing. It's like taking a machete and butchering her. Every time that hatred runs through your, your system, it's like you've taken a knife and run her heart through with it. So all I'm trying to tell you is that don't, don't categorize people. Have a semi-permeable membrane on your heart for the words that you receive. I can't deceive myself that I'm the only preacher you are listening to. In fact, that would be the height of deceit. Self-deceit. Because when you go to YouTube, you will find preachers. When you go, even Obini men, those, they are all there. Sometimes you listen to them. Some people is for entertainment. Some people is for comedy. Some people too, uh, they learn some things. I don't know what you can learn, but they are, they are learning. They are learning. But I can't deceive myself that I'm the only one you are preaching, you are, you are listening to. Hallelujah. That is why you must have that sieve on your heart. It is not everything you hear that you receive. So I'll quickly take you through the five tests of doctrine. And this one too, I'm coming to do an eye because those of you who have been in this church for a very long time, you should be able to rattle it in the order in which I give it. Hallelujah. What is test number one? What is this? In the first place, there are three sources of doctrine. All right. The first source of doctrine is from God. Everybody say from God. The second source of doctrine is from man. Say man. And the third source of doctrine is from the devil or demons. Alright? So these are three possible sources of doctrine. Let's look at some scriptures. Now, let's look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 20 to 22. Let's read the NIV. Colossians 2, 20 to 22. There are certain things that are taught that are the thoughts of men. Sometimes people use logic. But you see, when it comes to Christianity and spiritual things, logic doesn't always apply. Hallelujah. When it comes to spiritual things, logic doesn't always apply. Even in the natural, logic doesn't always apply. The past tense of teach is what? So you expect that the past tense of preach should be what? Brought. But it's not brought. <laughs> The feminine version of Daniel is what? Daniela. You just add la. And it's there. Emmanuel. Emmanuela. There are a lot of la. But if you follow that logic, and you say your first son is called Ebo, and you have a female, so she's going to be what? Ebola is a disease. Hallelujah. It doesn't always work that way. But sometimes the teachings are based on logical thinking. And it doesn't always work that way. It says, well, since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why as though you still belong to it, that is to the world, do you submit to its rules? Next. It says, do not handle, do not taste. You know, 
sometimes you find certain rules. People give certain rules that are not biblical. Don't handle this. Don't eat this. Don't do that. There are certain rules that are actually even church-based. Like the, the church makes their own rules. Those are doctrines of men, if you can't find the basis in the Bible. All right? Not taste. Do not touch. Next. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Say human commands. Say teachings. So, it's not everything you hear that you take. There must be a biblical and a scriptural basis to it. So, we have doctrines of men. Doctrines that were created by men. Sometimes people create doctrines out of their own personal experiences. Things that they have experienced. But it's not necessarily biblical. I always say your experiences will never validate the word of God. The word of God is never validated by experiences of men. Alright? So, that is the first level. That's, that's doctrines of man. And then we have doctrines that come from God. Paul at a point said, the things that I teach are not for me. It is God that gave me the revelation. Jesus said, I speak what the Father asked me to speak. So we have doctrines and teachings that are from God. There's no time for me to go through all. But then let's read 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. And then we'll see the third source of doctrine. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. It said, the Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. Everybody say deceiving spirit. And there are a lot of them around. They have possessed human beings. Deceiving spirits and things taught by who? Demons. So there are things that are actually being taught by demons. They are demonic doctrines, demonic teachings. And we need to be aware of these things. So what are the steps you take if you want to test doctrine? The steps in testing doctrine. So yes, now, what's the first test? Is the test of what? The, church of the test of origin. Good. You are making me proud. The test of origin. You have to test the origin of this doctrine. And the origin can come from one of the three that I'm, I'm giving you now. It can come from God. It can come from man. And it can come from demons. Alright? So that is the first thing. Is this doctrine coming from God? Is it coming from man? Or is it coming from demons? Most of the time, by the first level, you won't be able to answer the question. That is why you have a second level and you have a third level, all right? So, test of origin. So, what's the second one? Test of authority. Yes, the test of authority. So, on what authority is it based? Is it based on the word of God? And every true doctrine, the authority must be from the word of God. Hallelujah. Not from somebody's book that he has written. Not from somebody's wise sayings. Sometimes we take some wise saying somebody has said. And because we don't know the word, you go and stand it. Recently, I saw some video on the net. Some guy was preaching in tree. It said, Bible say, And Those of you don't understand, it said, Bible says, if a child wants something red to see, you show him blood. That one is Nicodemus chapter 4, verse 8. <laughs> so, what authority is the teaching based on? Is it the word of God? Is it some proverb somewhere? People don't know the way they say, and heaven helps those who help themselves. Heaven helps those who help themselves. It is not scripture. It is not biblical. 
Hallelujah. Because sometimes you are not, you don't even deserve the help, but heaven just looks on you and has mercy. That is what we call grace. Hallelujah. Undeserved favor. Now, some of you, if that was really the principle, heaven will never help you. You don't help yourself. You don't help yourself. Heaven will never help you. But it is human sayings, logical thinking, and not necessarily based on the word of God. So the authority, a test of authority, is it based on the word of God? What is the third one? So the fact that it's on the word of God doesn't necessarily mean that the teaching is right. That's why we have, it's a, it's a five-stage test. So test of origin, test of authority. What is the third one? Test of consistency. Is it consistent with the rest of scripture? That is very important. People isolate one portion of the scripture and create a doctrine around it. It is a very wrong thing to do. Does it resonate with the rest of scripture? Is it in the same spirit? Because look, it is the same Holy Spirit that wrote the word. The same Holy Spirit inspired over 40 men to write the word. He can't contradict himself anywhere. Hallelujah. So if you come and you pick one scripture and use it to teach me that when you become born again, it doesn't matter. You know, people teach, it doesn't matter what you do with your body. It is your spirit man that has changed. So what you do in the flesh, you have been translated into like you're in the spirit realm. So what you do with your body doesn't matter. One day I overheard one man, a guy actually arguing. I said, no, no, no. What he does with this flesh doesn't matter. That the born again, did the person see his flesh becoming a baby again? No, it's a spirit man. Some of you are thinking, hey, Charlie, what you're saying is true. It is a demon that is speaking to you right now. <laughs> you see, I got you. <laughs> it's like what you do with this flesh, it doesn't matter. You are in the spirit. You are born. He that is born of the spirit is spirit. Can, you, can my spirit sin? No. So it doesn't matter what I do. So this whole holiness, holiness, holiness thing, you know, it is a law mentality. And you must be holy. It's a law mentality. But the question is, is, is that consistent with the rest of scripture? Is that consistent with the rest of scripture? When Paul himself is telling that, having therefore these promises, let us cleanse ourselves of every filthiness of the spirit and of the flesh, perfecting holiness in the fear of the law. If you come and teach me that you can't be more holy than you were made holy the day you became born again. That means holiness is an event. It is imputed on you. Boom. There's, there's a difference between righteousness and holiness. Righteousness is a right standing with God. That is what gives you the right to go and stand in front of God and ask him for anything. That one, you don't have a hand in it. It is a pure work of grace. And it comes as a result of the finished work of the cross. Hallelujah. Righteousness is a right standing with God. That one, you can't work it out. You can't buy it. Hallelujah. But holiness is right living. Righteousness is a right standing with God. And holiness is, a, is right living. That one, it is totally in your hands with the Holy Spirit's help. Amen. And the evidence that you have attained the righteousness is that you must live it out by living a holy life. The Bible said, 
look, we are all being transformed gradually into the full image of who? Jesus Christ. If there was anything that was the hallmark of Jesus' ministry, aside the miracles, aside the signs, aside the, aside the teaching, was the fact that he was sinless. So if we are to aim to be like Christ, our aim is that we must come to the point where we are sinless. Hallelujah. So if you come and tell me sin doesn't matter in the life of a, of a believer and things like that, it is not consistent with the rest of scripture. It is a false doctrine to start with. God cancelled. If that was true, go and ask Ananias and Sapphira. They were in the church. They decided to lie. You said you are going to sell land. The land is yours. You could have decided that, okay, I'll give half to the church. It's just like me that I've, I've, I've pledged that I'm selling my car and putting it into the property fund. And then I go and sell it. I'm like, Charlie, I'm what you about. <laughs> you know, let me just, you know, do some quack, quack, quack moves and stuff like that. It was their, their prerogative to decide, even not to give at all. And they are going to promise the land. And they went to stand in front of the apostle. And this one, it wasn't Old Testament though. It wasn't Moses' time. This one, grace had come. Everybody say grace. Until grace had come onto the scene. Working fully. With Sister Mercy following him. Like that. <laughs> grace had come. They lied to the apostle immediately. Boom. Man fell. Woman too came. If there was mobile phone then. Somebody would have phoned Charlie. Change the story. Your husband. He died right now for you. I should do no technology, no way of getting the information. She came. Pap, pap, pap. Said, Are you sure this was that? I said, Yes. He said, Just like your husband. Pap. Two dead bodies. I don't know if they had children, but orphans were created. This was in the era of grace. Unless you want to prove to me, or you can prove to me that Ananias and Sapphira were not born again, they were not Christians. I see those days. There were very few fake Christians. Those who said they were Christians, they were proper. They had understood the message of Christ. Because the kind of persecution that was going on there, if you don't believe in it, why do you go and sign up for possible death? For believing in something? You don't really believe in anything, no. And you know that the people who believe in it, you can easily be given lions who chew you, your cheeks like that. Bah! Take your flesh out. Bring out your eyes. They were doing all sorts of things. Burning people. You know all these things are happening and you don't believe in the thing, but you go and pretend. Then you, nah, you deserve to die. Ananias and Sapphira, they believed even more than you and I. Because we, we are not even faced with death. Oh. But even our belief, you know, it's like we are unbelieving believers. They believed. They were Christians. But God got angry with them for sinning. So if you come and teach me that there are no consequences of sin in the life of a believer. You are not speaking scripture. Hallelujah. So the test of consistency with the rest of scripture. What is the fourth test? Hey. What is the, people have done well with the first three. What was the first, fourth test? Pardon? Pardon? And so the whole thing is, is a test of doctrine. Like how... The fourth one. Hey, they are left with two. 60 over 100 is not distinction. Yes. <laughs> oh, you will make me proud. Let's, let's, let me know that at least I've taught you something. 
Three is good, but you can do five. And you are there, but not there yet. Uh-huh. The fourth one is you must test whether it encourages spiritual growth. <laughs> so this thing I'm hearing is it making me grow spiritually and you see growth in the spirit must result in bearing of fruit so this thing this word that I'm hearing this teaching that I'm, I'm listening to will it lead me to grow will it cause me to bear some fruit those are the questions you must ask yourself hallelujah and then the faith if you didn't get the fourth then you get the faith oh yes you must test whether it promotes godliness. So the example I gave you earlier, it doesn't promote godliness. The one that says you can do anything with your body because you are born again by the spirit. It doesn't promote godliness. So these are the five steps of testing doctrine. So the test of origin, where is the doctrine coming from? The test of authority, on what is the doctrine based? A test of consistency. Is it consistent with what the rest of scripture is teaching? The test of whether or not it promotes spiritual growth. And then the last one is whether or not it promotes godliness. These are the five steps in testing doctrine. So you must have it at the back of your mind. So when you are sitting behind the television, or you are behind your phone watching YouTube, or you have downloaded certain things, and you are listening, you must have this sieve. So this is the sieve. This is the semi-permeable membrane. That you must put on your heart to determine what enters and what doesn't enter. Hallelujah. So are we clear on the issue of um, false doctrines being a device in the hand of the enemy? So I've done with the, I'm done with the half. Now I'm going to the other two. I don't know if I'll be able to finish. Okay, time is gone. I may not be able to do all. So let's go to accusation. Somebody say accusation. Say it again, accusation. Let's read Revelation chapter 12. Let's start from verse 7. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 12, verse 7. It said, and there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. Some people say dragon. (laughs) Dragon. (laughs) And the dragon fought and his angels. Next and prevailed not. Everybody say prevailed not. Thank God they didn't prevail. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. Next. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil. And Satan which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth. And his angels were cast with him. Next. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. This, part, this portion of scripture is what um, the Hallelujah chorus, chorus is based on. All right. And he shall be, and of his Christ is based on this part. And the power of his Christ. For the who accuser of our brethren is cast down, which caused them before, or which, sorry, accused them before our God, day and night. Everybody say the accuser. Say the accuser. I told you some time ago that pride is the mother of all sin. Because proud to Satan, entertaining pride to decide that he wants to overthrow God, there was nothing like sin. So pride was in fact the first sin, the mother. It gave birth to all the sins. 
So if pride is a matter of all sins, then what is her firstborn? And I dare say that the firstborn of pride is accusation. Hallelujah. And I will explain to you. The moment pride entered into his heart, the next thing it made him do was to accuse. How do I know he accused God? The Bible said he managed to convince one third of the angels. He must have gone with an accusation one way or the other to convince them. We are not told what he told them, but every rebel starts his rebellion by accusing the leader. Anybody who wants to overthrow anybody or take anybody out of office, you will start. Look, even political campaign, when you are in opposition and you want to come into power, what you are doing is accusation. Hey, and they are chopping our money and chopping our money. Me at the back of my mind, Charlie, if I come, I go chop. <laughs> it's accusation. I'm sure now you can guess what the accusations of NDC will be in 2020. It will start from January. They say, eh, the city, you, Baumia. Yeah? You had lectures condemning that we've done this in the petroleum prices. Yes, look at you. You said free SHS. How many people are sleeping in one dorm now? Accusation. Anytime you want to take authority from somebody, you start with accusation. And I believe that was what Satan did. He went to the angels one by one. I don't know whether it was just one third he managed to speak to, to campaign to. But at least we know he managed to convince one third. So it's possible he spoke to everybody. Or, you know, these things are some people you don't go to them with it. You know that uh, this man, uh, don't go. His loyalty is, if you, go, if you had gone to Michael, Michael would have finished him there before the war. <laughs> and the other one third, if they, had, if they saw, hey, Satan has been finished. Charlie, let us say, oh, Charlie, I wasn't with him. <laughs> uh, this, uh, how can I follow him? I don't know this guy. So he accused God to the angels. And me, I, was like, I, 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 was like, I believe the choir. <laughs> the heavenly choir was, <laughs> was majority of the one thing. They were following their director now. Following their director. Yeah, we, we should be given a certain position to stand. We must, we must stand right close to the throne when we are singing. We are too far away from the glory. Too far away. Don't you see? Yes, yes, it's true. Uh-huh. If I am the one sitting there, you will be right by me. Yeah, we do the harmony and the B sharp and the E flat. And the, we understand each other. We will change the rankings. All of you, archangels, archangels. Hey, yeah campaign, accusation. So the firstborn of pride is accusation. So if, if you are a Christian and you are proud and you accuse people and you realize that proud people are the ones who like accusing people. Mm, a lot of times when you see somebody who likes accusation, it's because they are proud. They themselves are not looking at their mistakes. So they are like marking everybody. Hey, you, do, hey, you, do this. Hey, you could have done this. Accusation. But when it comes to accusation, there are different levels of accusation. Satan operates in accusation at four different levels. The first level is to accuse man to God. To accuse man to God. Satan is constantly going before God 
trying to accuse you before him for your failings. Hey, she said she'll be waking up in the morning to pray. 20 days now. She said 5, 5.15 a.m. she'll wake up. Some of you, I'm singing your story. I'm dialing your number. I'm telling you what Satan has been telling God about you. Then she'll wake up 5.15. By 5.30 she's snoring. Turning in bed. She's not being able to fulfill her promise. So these good things you are bringing into her life, you have to stop it. She doesn't deserve it. Thank God for mercy. Satan is constantly accusing you. Oh, this time around, I'll be, I'll be consistent in church. I won't miss any Sunday. But now you've, you've made it like fortnightly. Well, fortnightly, or some people monthly. Some people to buy monthly. <laughs> you come as a when the spirit permits. Which spirit it is, I don't know. When the spirit permits, then you come. Satan goes before God, you see? All the good things you have been preserving her life. The last time, a car wanted to knock it. And you know, God takes us out of a lot of things and we don't know. As for the enemy, he came to steal, to kill, to destroy. He's constantly on that mission. Let's, let's not joke about it. If Satan gets you, he'll kill you today. If he gets a chance. But thank God for mercy. Yeah. He'll kill you today. That last sin be that you went and committed me. Oh. That the angels just decided to not look because you are corrupting their angelic soul with what you were doing. The angels that God has given to protect you. Satan wanted to sneak in. Huh? The angels are not looking. Let me just finish him. God will say, no way. His purpose has not even started. And this weakness, he shall overcome it. Then you send a substitute angel who probably was with somebody who was doing worse than you, so he can look. It's those ones who haven't been assigned to rascals before. That's why I say, oh, yeah, see To come and protect. I'm just trying to tell you what exactly happens in the realm of the spirit. Satan accuses us to God every time. There are some of you, Satan is accusing you and telling God that that destiny he has planned for you, you don't deserve it. Because of some of the mistakes you are making now. Oh, he doesn't deserve it. Look at what she's doing. Satan goes to, people think God and Satan are not on talking terms. It's not true. They chat. He even had the nerve. They said when the sons of God had gathered and Satan also appeared in his long shoe. <laughs> they can't sit inside some. All your plans, let me hear so that I can plan against you. He said, where are you from, Satan? He said, I'm coming from to and fro. <laughs> hey, to and fro from your house to this person's house. Just walking about looking for somebody to devour. Just taking a stroll. So God and Satan, they talk. They chat. Satan went to God. He said, look, Job. He went to accuse Job that, look, you think he's faithful. He is not faithful, though. Just strike him. Take everything that you have given, given to him away. And you will see whether he's faithful or not. So he's always going to God accusing, accusing. 
but thank God for Jesus. Hallelujah. In fact, that is the main role Jesus is playing now. Seated at the right hand of God the Father. When Satan comes and he brings the accusation. You see, Satan is like a prosecutor. A prosecutor works with evidence. And trust me, some of you, you are giving Satan too much evidence to work with. Too much. Every day, evidence. He's going, uh-huh, evidence, uh-huh. Charlie, record, record, record. And he goes to God. Accuse, accuse, accuse. And Jesus is there. He is the lawyer. Hallelujah. When the prosecutor brings them, he say, objection. This thing is saying, it is not true. Because I have done something which is covering this person. Hallelujah. And we shall come to that one. So he accuses us to God. He accuses man to God. And then the second level of accusation is that he accuses God to man. He accused God to the angels. And when he was thrown to earth and he encountered man for the first time, he continued with his accusation. He went to God. Trying to convince Eve that God doesn't want their good. Because he said, look, God knows that if you eat this thing, you will become wise like him. And God is not a good leader. He doesn't want to become, you to become powerful like him. He doesn't want your eyes to be open like him. So, eat it. And you see that what I'm saying is the truth. He was accusing God. So, as for that, his strategy, it is an age-long strategy. It started from heaven. If he has the audacity to accuse God, then who are you? Even God, he was accusing God. Who are you? He would definitely accuse you. And now he accuses God to, God to man. You prayed. You asked God for something. And God didn't give it to you. So he comes, uh-huh. You have been singing, what a faithful God have I. What a faithful death day now. Didn't the word of God say, if you ask in faith, you will definitely receive. The word of God is not true. Didn't you pray in faith? Didn't you believe? But at that time, he won't tell you too that the scripture, you see, that's why you must look at scripture holistically. He won't tell you that the Bible says, if we ask according to the will of God, you don't take one and create a doctrine around it. What does the whole thing say? One person says, if you ask in faith, he'll give it to you. That means it is true if you ask in faith. But it's also true that he will give it to you according to his will. So put the two together. If you ask in faith and it is according to his will, he will do it unto you. Simple. That's what it means. Are you come and tell him, huh, are you? This is you are praying, 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 praying. I bet the thing didn't go well. Will you continue to pray? <laughs> Will you continue to go to church? Accusing God. And there are a lot of believers who are offended with God. Oh, there are times when certain things happen in your life, you are offended with God. Anytime you're offended with God, you are helping Satan to achieve his agenda. You are, you, are, you are helping Satan. You are making Satan happy. Because that is what he has wanted from the beginning. You are offended with God. Why is it that this relative of mine got sick? I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and the person died. You are offended with God. Why is it that the exam didn't go the way I wanted it to go? You are offended with God. John the Baptist got offended with Jesus because... When he was arrested, knowing how powerful Jesus was, he was expecting that Jesus would come and visit and just command the prison doors to open. Bah. And then he would be freed like that. But Jesus wasn't even visiting him. He was like, hey, are you really the one that I was sent to come and pave the way for all we should expect another? 
when Jesus said it, he said, well, blessed is he who is not offended in me. When you are not offended in God, it is a blessing on his own. Hallelujah. You must come to the point where you trust in God with all, or your, all of your heart and you don't lean on your own understanding. Your own understanding tells you that this thing should have gone this way or this thing should have gone that way. But when you trust God, you see the song we sang, my heart will trust in you. Though I walk through the valleys low, I will fear no evil. My heart will continually trust in you. The highest form of faith is when you can come to the point where you believe and trust God that he knows what he's doing in your life. That's, that's one of the highest levels of faith. We think the highest level of faith is when you can claim it and it will happen and claim it. No. When you can come to the point where even the thing is even looking some way, but you still trust God because he says all things will work together for your good. The good, the bad, the ugly, the nasty, everything will come together and work together for your good. That is faith. But Satan will continually accuse him. Oh, have I not said it? And will I not do it? And this is it. Has he done it? He has not done it. Are you going to continue to worship this man? Look at the time you wasted serving him. You are singing in the choir. You are doing this, this, this. You are there. You prayed for a beloved son. Nobody is even texting you to ask you, how are you? Nobody. And you are still there. And you are still believing God. You want to continue believing? Jehovah Zakah, the Lord that remembers, he shall remember you. Hallelujah. Satan will constantly accuse God. But I pray that when that voice of accusation comes, you will repel it in Jesus' name. Third level of accusation. Man to man. Accusation, man to man. This one is human beings doing the accusation. Man to man. And this is one of the major causes of rifts in relationships and in marriages. Any kind of relationship you can think about. Trust me. Satan will always put negative ideas about people in your mind. It, it will happen. Because you see, we are all gradually being transformed into the full image of Christ. We are not there yet. So there will definitely be some negatives there. Satan will come and cause you to focus on the negatives. Amplify the negatives. Create a certain profile of the person in your mind. Look, you can be going out with the best woman in the world. You can be married to the best woman in the world. You can be married to the best man in the world. But you'll still not be happy. Simply because Satan continually accuses the person to you. So you accept it and you also start accusing the person back. So when you meet with the person... You never talk about the positives. You never encourage the person with the positives. All you are doing is bashing on the negatives, bashing on the negatives, bashing on the negatives. And you see, human beings, eh, we have a natural survival instinct. When you are with somebody and it's only negativity coming, sooner than later, you want to find another place to hide. Yeah. Man-to-man accusation. And a lot of times, when you are too fond of accusing people, I said, the root cause is pride. Because if you will sit down and look at yourself and realize that you yourself, you have issues, you will minimize the accusation. Nobody is saying when somebody does something wrong, you shouldn't speak to the person. You must speak to the person. But how will you say it? And for how long you say it? You are supposed to exhort the person. 
An exhortation is meant to bring rebuke. It's meant to lift up your spirit. You must be an exhorter when somebody does something wrong. But when after exhorting the person, you continue and continue and continue, you transition from being an exhorter to an accuser. Your roommate has done something wrong. You've called the person in the spirit of brotherliness and Christianity. That Charlie, this thing that you did, it wasn't nice. Blah, blah, blah. The person has, you know, accepting mistakes can be difficult. But you need humility to accept that you are wrong. It can be difficult. Charlie, that they are pointed. Sometimes when they punch the thing, you realize that, Charlie, this one, they have messed up. It can be very, very difficult to accept. But you accept it nicely. A person accepts it nicely and all of that. You have been an exhorter. You have exhorted the person. You have, you, have, you, have, you have brought the spirit of correction. But you go out of the room. Go out and do your things. After the person has been broken by what you have said. Because you are anointed. And when you spoke, there was power behind the way. And also because the person's ego has been bruised a little. He's lying down. Quiet. Brooding over what you have said. Contemplating changing. Putting steps in place. You go outside, go and do your things, go to lectures and come back again. No, Charlie, but the thing you did, did. you have moved from being an exhorter to an accuser now. Because what you are doing is now meant to kill his spirit. Am I preaching to somebody? A lot of people easily move from the realm of being an exhorter to being an accuser. When you are talking about a thing too much. Especially when you are dealing with adults. When you're dealing with a child whose ears are hard, it's different. Constant reminders. But this is a very sensible person. No? This one, he understands. The person understands. You have spoken it once. Leave it there. And continue to pray for the person. And pray for yourself also. Hallelujah. The Bible says what? Remove the log. That timber. That is stuck in your eye socket. I wonder how logs can enter into somebody's eye. It means you have a big problem. To squeeze log into this small eye socket. Jesus, it's worse when you analyze them well. Realize the man was wise. Squeeze timber into your eyes. You have a huge problem. You mashed your eyeballs, the cornea, vitreous humor, everything, pot, optic nerve, everything. Somewhere, somewhere, it didn't appear behind your head. But the log is inside your eye. And it's there. And somebody has a small speck. And you are concentrating on the speck. It is Satan that has made you divert your attention to that small speck and you are magnifying it. You see, for you to forget the log in your eye and concentrate on the speck, it means Satan has brought you to the point where you even see the speck as bigger than the log. That is in your own eye. These are devices of the enemy. If you consider yourself as somebody who is also trying and struggling to do things right, you will not dwell on people's mistakes all the time. You keep hammering it in the person's face. Oh, this is just what this thing there. You have to stop it. Oh, it is not fine. It's not nice at all. Look at look at you, a lady like you. How can you be doing things? A choir, you sing in the choir. You sing in the choir. How can you behave like this? The Bible said, when somebody is overtaking in a fault, those of you who think that you are spiritual, you must restore somebody in such a one in the spirit of what? Love. That one is not spirit of love. It's the spirit of pride. Don't go saying things like, ah, look, look at you. A Christian like you. The person knows he's a Christian. The Bible says, your spirit bears with them the spirit of God that we are the sons of it. It is our, our spirit. She knows more than you know that she's a Christian. 
How can a Christian like you baptize in the Holy Spirit? How can a leader like you do such a thing? You are moving from the realm of being an exhorter into the realm of being an accuser. I pray that you resist that temptation when Satan presents it to you. The last level is that Satan will accuse you to yourself. He will accuse you to yourself. How many of you have made mistakes before? You've made mistakes. Some people, when they talk mistakes, they are thinking fornication. I said mistake. <laughs> I said, how many people have made mistakes before? Made mistakes before. Satan can pick on these mistakes and accuse you to yourself. There are a lot of people who have stagnated in life, stagnated in their walk with God, stagnated in their spiritual growth, simply because they are not able to handle Satan accusing them to themselves. You dwell on the past. You dwell on your weaknesses. You dwell on your failings. And you are unable to progress. You clothe yourself in guilt. You see, guilt will paralyze you. When Lazarus died, they wrapped him up. Sometimes you, you, you misgave, you backslide, you, you are virtually spiritually dead, like Lazarus died. They wrapped him up in grave clothes, put him in the grave. Even after Jesus had come and shouted, Lazarus, come forth. And he came out. The Bible said he was still bound with the grave clothes. Guilt is like the grave clothes. God will forgive you. He will restore you. He will bring you back. But if you don't deal with the grave clothes... Trust me, if those grave clothes hadn't been removed, Lazarus would have been as, as useful as dead. And those days, they used to bind you from head, shoulder, hands, legs, everything. You are just there. Like, what can you do? It's better to be in the grave. But Jesus said, lose him and let him go. That means remove the grave clothes. Take the grave clothes away. Some of you are dwelling on your past mistakes for too long. And today you are being loose from the guilt of your past mistakes in the name of Jesus. When you are praying in the prayer, you are feeling the connection with God. You are in the place, you are worshiping. Tears are rolling down your eyes. Today today you are feeling. Then Satan comes. He might say, Lulu, look at you. They say, lifting up holy. Are your hands holy? You look at your hands and you start bringing it down. Hey. <laughs> Start bringing it down. You're in a place of prayer. You know that Charlie, this one, I'm breaking through. I'm breaking through. I'm breaking through. The Bible says what? As soon as Zion travels, she brought what you can see that you are in a labor world. You're about to deliver something in the spirit. Then Satan reminds you, bring somebody's picture. <laughs> Maybe that one was me five years ago. Bring it. Do you remember him? <laughs> Realize that labor word, you even leave the labor word. <laughs> That's what he does. Accusation. But thank God the Bible says, I am he who blots away your transgressions for my name's sake, and I do not remember them anymore. He doesn't remember. Some of you are praying over something you did. 
three years ago, four years ago. He has forgotten you. He has forgotten. The blood is powerful enough. When we say you are blotting something out, it's different from erasing it. When you erase, at least you can see. Pencil, when you erase, you can see that, oh, this one, they wrote this, that, that, that. When you blot it out, it's gone. Completely clean. And the requirement for that blood to work that powerfully is repentance. Somebody say repentance. Remorse doesn't activate that power in the blood. Remorse is different from repentance. In remorse, you feel bad. Probably because you were caught. There are some people, if there are some things, if they are, if they are not caught, they will never feel bad about it. It's like, it's okay. Blood abuse. Some people, have, it's like the blood is, some, is in some basin in the corner of their room. You go and misbehave and get yourself dirty. Then come. There was this lady in some school. She, all the gentlemen, everybody was her friend. <laughs> in quotes. Sometimes, you go and do certain things with certain people. You don't know the things they are saying behind you. As a young lady, your body and your bosoms are supposed to be for the man God will give you in future. Hallelujah. Yes. You shouldn't be too generous. No, not too generous. You shouldn't be generous. <laughs> this lady was there. And do you know what the gentleman were calling her behind her back? She didn't know. They used to call her cowbell. Our milk. Cowbell. <laughs> uh, you don't get the joke, eh? She was the milk. Let those that are in the spirit understand that which I'm saying. Cowbell. She didn't know walking around feeling she's a hot kick. But they have reduced her to cowbell level. But even if you are cowbell, the blood can speak for you. That, that is the power of the blood. There is no sin that that blood cannot erase and blot out. No sin. Don't think that thing you did. And the lady came to me. She was like, she promised God she was going to keep her virginity. And then one day she was in some financial difficulty. Some married man came and provided help and she ended up sleeping. So she knows her marriage is doomed. She will never have a good marriage. And that was a, a mental stronghold in her mind. So they take that thing out of your mind. It is Satan speaking to you. It is Satan speaking to you. Some people are still feeling bad that they lost their virginity. And it's like, it's like a sore point in their life. But I said, the Bible says, Behold, I make all things new. All things new means all things new. Hallelujah. All things new. That means you can even renew your virginity. Amen. When Christ's blood is applied to a mistake, it is as good as that mistake never happening. That, that is how powerful it is. It's, it's as if it never happened. Because if even God, who knows all things, he says, I do not remember anymore, it means that things cease to happen, to, to exist. Hallelujah. So let, let this mentality go into your mind. Let this enter your spirit, even into your DNA. So that when you give birth to children, they already know it. Hallelujah. That is how powerful the blood is. Satan will constantly come and accuse you. Oh, you, you have cut your destiny short. This mistake that you have made. People who are at the level you want to go, you think they did those things? God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. (laughs) 
He's not looking for special vessels. He's looking for yielded vessels. That's all he's looking for. Oh, you can't look at somebody. Oh, and this person, he never did this and this and this. God doesn't consult your past to determine your future. He doesn't. If that was the case, Rahab would have never been Jesus' ancestor. We are talking about the genealogy of Jesus. You expect them to mention perfect people because he himself was perfect. But Rahab, prostitute, a harlot. God said, you, you deserve to be the great, great, great grandmother of my son. When God was looking for a Gentile to preach the kingdom, first Gentile, the woman by the well, with a very funny history. Five men straight. The sixth one he was, she was with, crowd wasn't even her husband. Questionable character. But after Jesus had dealt with her and her heart was changed, Jesus said, you are ready to be used. Go and proclaim. And I've said this and I'll say it again. Any weakness you have in your life, any area of your life where you have fallen, after God has dealt with you, he will anoint you to break similar yokes. He will anoint you. You think you are struggling with lust right now? When God is finished with you, you will counsel people with this problem, pray for them, and the yoke shall be broken. When David sinned, he said what? Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit away from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And he went on to say in the verse 13, that I may teach transgressors your ways. All the forgiveness is for you to be able to teach people who transgress similarly. God is not looking for somebody with a perfect past. Moses didn't have a perfect past. He had blood on his hands. He had killed somebody before. But that's not what God is interested in. So when Satan comes and accuses you, reminds you of your mistakes, all you have to tell him is that it is under the blood. It has been covered by the blood. Once it is covered by the blood and God himself doesn't remember, you, Satan, you have no right to come and remind me of it. It is forgiven. It is forgotten. It is gone. It has been blotted out. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus and you have no right to come and even talk to me. I pray that anything you are guilty of today, that power of guilt will be broken in the name of Jesus. You are still in God's plans. God hasn't changed his plans concerning your destiny. That mistake is too small to change his plans towards you. You are still his plan A for that particular assignment. In spite of your weaknesses, in spite of your failings in the past. When you fall down, you don't stay down. A true soldier of Christ will rise after he has fallen. You acknowledge the fact that you are falling. And then you rise. The Bible says what? Seven times a righteous man shall fall. And seven times he shall rise again. When you fall, Satan laughs at you. Yes, you are down. But you say what Micah said. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. For when I fall, I shall rise again. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. You will renew your strength. The Bible says, they that wait on the Lord, they shall renew their strength. I see a new beginning for somebody. I, I see something broken in somebody's spirit. I, I see a release. S somebody feeling a certain sense of peace. Somebody feeling like, I can start running again. I've been sitting for too long. I can start running again. I can overcome this voice. 
May the Lord empower you. May the Lord anoint you to overcome the voice of the accuser. And the Lord says, you are still anointed. You are still called. You are still gifted. You are still a worshiper. You are still a preacher. You are still that great man. You are still that one that will affect millions. You are still that one that millions and thousands are going to reap and benefit from the giftings and the callings that are upon your life. Receive that grace upon your life today. In the name of Jesus. Just stand to your feet. Begin to pray. You want to stand in a place of authority and rebuke every voice of accusation. Every voice of accusation. Accusations that remind you of your past errors. Accusations that remind you of your mistakes. Even your current weaknesses. You want to silence the voice of the accuser. Lift up your voice. Begin to pray. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The son of the living God. We take authority. Come on, I'm not hearing you pray. You are rebuking an accuser. An accuser that is speaking very loud. An accuser that is pointing fingers at you. An accuser that is bringing guilt into your life. An accuser that is attempting to paralyze your movement in life. An accuser that is trying to cut short your destiny and your purpose. You want to command that accuser to be silent in the name of Jesus. Yes, you made that mistake, but that mistake is under the blood. It's been covered by the blood. It has been forgiven by the blood. It's been blotted away by the power of the blood of Jesus. The Bible says it is for this reason that the Son of Man was revealed that he may destroy the works of the enemy. One of the works of the enemy in your life is those voices that have been speaking to you. And we destroy the work of that enemy. Today, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the living God, I speak liberty into your spirit. I speak freedom into your spirit. I speak deliverance into your spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the living God, just as Jesus commanded, that the grave clothes be removed from Lazarus. I stand as a servant of God and I command every grave clothes of guilt, of past mistakes, of accusations that paralyze you and make you unable to function in the house of God. I command those grave clothes be removed now. Be removed now. Be set loose. Be set free in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit. Jesus said, I still have you in my blood. I still have you in my blood. I still have you in my blood. The fact that you misbehave once in your relationship, or you misbehave, misbehave twice in your relationship, doesn't mean the call of God has left your hands. You are still called. You are still anointed. The fact that you told that lie doesn't mean God has lifted his hands of you. The Spirit of God is still upon you. You are still anointed. You are still called. You are still a servant of God. You still have a glorious destiny. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, may the Spirit of the Lord bring you out of that place of guilt. May the Spirit of the Lord bring you out of that place of condemning yourself. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the Living God. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the Living God. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. We trust you have been blessed by this message. 
For information on how you can receive more teachings from the man of God, reach us on 024-873-7250. Stay blessed.